This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Throughout the pandemic, we've been relying on our pharmacists more than ever. Unlike doctors' offices, which are mostly operating only virtually, pharmacies have remained open and pharmacists are on the job assisting us. And in the midst of this, the chronic drug shortages that we always suffer have gotten worse. So I'd like to hear from you. If you have questions or stories, I know I have consulted my pharmacist on a number of occasions. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'd like to welcome Shalita Datani, who is the Director of Practice Development and Knowledge Translation with the Canadian Pharmacists Association. Hi, Shalita. Thanks so much for being with us. Hi, Libby. Thanks so much for inviting me today. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, pharmacists are, are on the job and uh, they are in their pharmacies, which means, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, their barriers and everything, but, but they're uh, on the front lines putting themselves in, in harm's way. Yeah, absolutely, Libby. I mean, um, you know, uh, we consider ourselves primary care providers out in the community, just like our physician and nursing counterparts, and pharmacies are considered essential services. So we have to stay open so that people can get access to their medications and um, get help from their pharmacists on how to manage their medications. So really proud of all of my, you know, pharmacist colleagues across the country who have been um, you know, serving Canadians, uh, despite, you know, their own sort of um, fears and anxieties of not having enough personal protective equipment and all of the other things that I'm sure you've heard lots about. Um, they've really been doing, I think, a really good job for, for all Canadians in terms of, you know, continuing to give them care. What's the situation with the PPE? Uh, well, PPE is still, um, as it is for other healthcare providers, is still a challenge in terms of pharmacists getting supply. Um, Maybe, you know, slowly starting to get better. But um, I think pharmacists, because they, um, you know, uh, don't work for the public healthcare system, don't have as much sort of allocated supply across the country from the government um, as other healthcare providers might. And there are often situations where pharmacists uh, are in... Um, you know, these are dynamic environments. People come in, they may be symptomatic, they may have questions for their pharmacist, they may need an immunization. And so uh, pharmacists need to ensure that they're protecting their patients and protecting themselves by wearing PPE. But uh, it has throughout the crisis, the last two months anyway, been quite a challenge to be able to get masks and the other forms of personal protective equipment uh, that pharmacists need. What have you found to be the biggest challenge of functioning during the pandemic? Uh, the biggest challenge in general, you mean, Libby? Pardon? Do you mean in general or with Yeah, in general. PPE? Um, I think that PPE is probably one of the biggest ones. Um, I think that drug shortages and some of the what we saw early on in the pandemic with respect to, um, you know, people, you know, understandably wanting to do things like stockpile their medication, just like they 
you know, they were worried that they wouldn't be able to get their medication as they started to see things like, like toilet paper not being on the shelves. They worried that, you know, what if I can't get my medication? So I think because of early stockpiling and because of a drug shortage problem that we've already had for a number of years in this country, I, I think this has been a, an ongoing concern for us. Um, and so we put in some things in place that are now starting to get lifted in terms of 30-day supplies. Uh, but I, we do believe that they help stabilize the drug supply. It, it's something that we always have to be on top of to make sure that we are able to get everyone the medications they need and, and do what we can to mitigate and minimize the impact of drug shortages. Well, I know that uh, you were involved in advocacy uh, as CARP was, and uh, there were a lot of people who were complaining, saying that uh, that the fact that they could only get 30-day supplies, they had more co-pays or more dispensing fees and couldn't afford it, people on multiple medications, particularly older people. And uh, at least here in Ontario, that was mitigated to a certain extent, uh, because you made it an issue, basically. Yeah, and it was. I really have to give kudos uh, to our Ontario colleagues. So my colleagues at the Ontario Pharmacists Association did some tremendous work with CARP and other organizations advocating for, um, you know, looking at those provincial copays and waiving them, and had some success there. Um, I, I think our, our seniors, in particular, worry about, you know, not not just the the increased number of times they have to go and pay copays, but the increased number of times they have to potentially visit a, a pharmacy when, you know, they may be worried about distancing, et cetera. So I think our, our colleagues in Ontario and across the country in pharmacy have done a tremendous job working with patient groups to help address the cost issues um, and also to do things like deliver medications to seniors. Um, many pharmacies have specific seniors hours. Um, many, you know, create appointments with seniors so that they can come in like to a counseling room and talk to a pharmacist and be relatively distanced from other people in the pharmacy. So I, I think there's been some great partnership and, and some great work to help address some of those concerns and issues. Uh, you know, I want to address the delivery thing. I'm imagining that a lot of pharmacies had to suddenly figure that out. And it can be challenging. Uh, you know, I get calls from people, you know, sometimes in, in small places, and they don't really know how to access services. I mean, the federal government gave money to service organizations to help things like deliveries. What can you tell people who are, what's the best way to access a delivery? Well, the best thing is to just to contact your pharmacy. And, and I think most pharmacies have really stepped up and, you know, really absorbed, you know, at their own cost, um, being able to make sure that their patients get the medications that they need. So if they're distancing or quarantining or they're sick or they just are afraid to come to the pharmacy, that relationship with the pharmacist to organize, you know, getting that medication either via delivery to the home or curbside delivery, so you don't have to actually come into the pharmacy. Um, I, I would say there's been, again, some tremendous effort to work with the public and work with patients to, to make sure that they can help them with that. So I would say the first thing is to call call your pharmacy and, and, and um, you know, find out if they can deliver medications to you. Most of them will do that. I am talking to Shalita Datani. She's with the Canadian Pharmacists Association. And we're talking about the role and the difficulty that pharmacists are 
playing and uh, the difficulty of what they're doing throughout the pandemic. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Shalita, I'd like to get to some of the numbers behind these drug shortages. And just as a, a personal story, uh, about a month ago, I needed to get a Ventolin inhaler. And, and lo and behold, I found out Ventolin, which is really common asthma drug, uh, was on shortage. And, and it was a little ironic. I, you know, it's not like I have a bad asthma, but all these disinfectants and Lysol and everything that I'm inhaling um, doesn't always agree with me. And, and here it is, it's one of the most common drugs you can imagine, and it, it, it's on shortage. And I gather it's still not plentiful. Yeah, um, Libby, I think we saw early on uh, with Ventolin, and initially some of this may have been due to the fact that it's used to treat some of the symptoms uh, related to COVID. It's been used in the hospitals uh, with patients who have been admitted to COVID and have trouble breathing and need these drugs to open up their airways. Uh, you know, many people, again, want to pick up, you know, if they use a Ventolin, two, two at a time. Um, so certainly that has been one that has spiked and has been, I guess, probably the most common one on, on the drug shortages list related to COVID um, early on and, and somewhat somewhat continued a little bit. So um, I think, again, some of the things that we did early on to stabilize the drug supply in terms of, um, you know, rationing and in terms of making sure that uh, we had enough for patients who need it has helped a little bit. Uh, but, but I think that was just some of the initial cause. Uh, and any other really common drugs that are on shortage that you're worried about? Um, you know, I, I think things are related to COVID specifically. Uh, the other ones that, you know, early on we were we were quite worried about and I think are still a little bit of an issue are, are some of the drugs that are used in a hospital and particularly in intensive care units uh, to sedate patients. So things like uh, morphine or morphine derivatives, fentanyl, drugs like propofol that are not used as much in the community, um, but there were some challenges early on in the hospital uh, because of patients who were, you know, ventilated uh they, they need these medications to uh, to sedate them when they're that sick. Um, so that was a, a little bit of a challenge. Um, you, you heard about uh, hydroxychloroquine, I'm sure, um, through everything that was out there in the media and, and folks like Donald Trump um, talking about it uh, being a, a bit of a, you know, panacea for COVID, which really hasn't panned out in terms of, you know, it's there being a lot of data to support this uh, early it's on. It's a danger we is worried about, uh, that as well, but it's, it's stabilized also. Yeah, it's, it's, the, the finding is that it's a danger. And I know a lot of yeah. people were really worried because actually people need that drug if they're yeah. suffering from lupus or rheumatoid arthritis. That's exactly right, Libby. And, and I think that, you know, the need to, to preserve that drug supply uh, for people who uh, need it as a first-line therapy, and, and you've mentioned the two, people with lupus and RA or rheumatoid arthritis or other autoimmune diseases was initially a concern. The, the, drug, the drug supply of hydroxychloroquine is, is no longer as much of an issue, but I, but I think it just goes to show then, uh, that was sort of when we tout the benefits of something and don't really understand it, it, incre- it can create a lot of sort of flurry um, in this environment where people are panicked and looking for any sort of a cure um, for what potentially might be out there. So, um, 
So, you know, I think we've been really vigilant as pharmacists in making sure that we're, you know, ensuring that drugs are uh, dispensed appropriately and working with our prescriber colleagues to make sure that they're prescribed appropriately as well to try to manage some of these things. Uh, Here's a statistic that that uh, surprises me, and that's this month. In May, only 3% of community pharmacists reported receiving their full order of medication. Uh, I find that shocking. Yeah, so there have been, um, so we did a a drug shortage um, survey, which actually is going to be released today, and some of that information will be in there. So what some of the uh, wholesalers or suppliers have been doing is is they have been, uh, you know, trying to ration some drug supplies or place limits on them to manage these things. So pharmacists have, you know, been working tirelessly um, uh, sort of on the back end trying to make sure everybody gets their medication, but they don't typically get often their their first order. And that was reflected in our survey uh, during the early days of, of May. Uh, so, so it's something to, you know, it's another strategy, but it but it's something to think about. Well, yeah, and they're, the, the, your, your members, your pharmacists are saying that the supply issues are affecting up to half of all the medications that they order. Yeah, absolutely. And and remember, these aren't these aren't broad spread shortage issues, but these are, you know, the given supply that you may be getting, you know, sort of any given day. So that's why it's really important to, um, you know, talk to your pharmacist about your medication therapy, reassure that they have you in their best interest to make sure that you're able to access the therapy that you need um, and to really avoid stockpiling medication because we're all trying to mitigate drug shortages at this at this time in particular, but always and, and work in a partnership with Canadians and patients to do that. What about some of the things that were recalled earlier before this whole thing hit that are, uh, common drugs that including over the counter drugs like ranitidine uh, used for stomach acid and, and things like that? Uh, what's the situation with those? Yeah, there haven't been, um, you know, I don't want to speak out of hand. I haven't really looked at the, the recall files recently, but I, to my knowledge, there haven't been any recent recalls, as you say, Libby, those have been, you know, situations in the past where where drugs have been recalled for specific reasons just to ensure, you know, the safety of the drug supply, both in the U.S. and in Canada. But I'm not aware of any, uh, you know, current recalls specifically related to this environment. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so most pharmacies, obviously, are, are open, right? Absolutely. Most pharmacies are open and, and they want to be open. And, and sometimes if a, if a pharmacy is, you know, limited in its hours, uh, usually, you know, if they're closing early, for example, during COVID, it's usually because they're working, you know, on the back end to help you to, 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 you know, fill your medications, to get ready for the next day, to clean the pharmacy thoroughly and disinfect and all of the things that we're doing much more vigilantly these days. Uh, a few pharmacies are sometimes closed to foot traffic. Um, most of them are, who, who did that are, are starting to reopen now with the province reopening. Uh, but again, that doesn't mean they're closed. That just means that maybe they'll come out and give your medication to you via curbside delivery instead of risking, you know, you and others coming in sort of in droves in the pharmacy environment, it's particularly in small pharmacies where it's difficult to maintain that uh, six foot or two meter distancing. So, you know, open for you, 
always open. Uh, sometimes if you see closed to foot traffic, that doesn't mean closed. Uh, and I would imagine that a lot of these changes, and I see them in uh, my own pharmacy, uh, cost yeah. quite a bit of money. Yeah, I mean, pharmacies, in addition to some of the things that we've already talked about, Libby, like having to order personal protective equipment um, through private suppliers and it's not allocated by government or other ways, or deliveries to patients. The other thing that pharmacies have been doing, and you've probably seen this in your pharmacy, is putting up all of these engineering controls to keep uh, Canadians safe and to keep the pharmacy staff safe. So you'll see these plexiglass counters that are up you know, in the dispensary or even often in front of the cash register, you'll see uh, tape on the walls. You may see other sort of measures that are put in place. And those are all sort of, um, you know, constructive changes that have been done and, and certainly um, that we need to do to keep people safe. But there have been, they have been additional costs that the pharmacies are, are bearing as part of their overhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to be fair, those types of things, every every uh, retail outlet that's opening has to do that as well. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. So grocery stores, just as much as pharmacy, it's a, it's the same thing. I don't want to make this seem like it's a pharmacy only issue, and certainly those those other essential services like grocery stores are doing similar things. And and pharmacists are finding that they're uh, answering a lot of questions about COVID, average of more than 10 a day. Yeah, Libby, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, um, and I'm not, you know, there's primary care providers are still out there too. So maybe if, you know, your physician is only has their office open once a week, you know, it's important to remember that they're always there for you virtually. But if you need uh, to talk to your pharmacist, um, and we found that this has been happening quite a bit is that pharmacists have received many questions uh, from patients about COVID, uh, COVID-related questions, uh, which they want to provide. I mean, pharmacists are telling us 30% of them are, are getting more than 10 questions directly around COVID from their, from their patients at this time. Patients are anxious. They're worried. Uh, they may not be able to access uh, maybe their public health line, and they may be calling pharmacies, so they're getting a lot of phone calls as well. I mean, in Alberta, pharmacists are actually acting as a triage source and, you know, talking to patients and directing them for testing if needed. So they can play a tremendous public health role, um, which is important, uh, but I think they have played a very big role in just supporting general health-related questions and public health-related questions, as well as medication-related questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's, uh, you know, not necessarily a big change from usual. Yeah, and I think it's a, I think, again, it's a change that we've embraced. I mean, pharmacists are, you know, immunizing patients. We, you know, flu season is coming up. So we, we definitely, uh, we are very involved in giving flu shots. But, but again, you know, talking about COVID symptoms, talking about concerns about COVID, uh, all of the things that you should do, hand hygiene, that, that education role is important, but I would say has become even more prominent during this time. Yeah, and a lot of people are worried uh, as we head into the fall for um, a second wave of COVID to coincide with regular flu season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, typically, you know, especially our senior population who is, you know, um, you know, more than 70% of our seniors get the flu shot in the flu season. We know from our um, counterparts in the Southern Hemisphere who are already in the flu season, like Australia and Argentina, that there's been a tremendous surge in the request for flu shots. This is completely understandable because we're living in this COVID world now. And to your point, we don't know whether we will have a, 
a wave of COVID kind of compounded and, and you know, coming uh, together with the flu season. So it's a little bit of a double whammy that we're trying to prepare for now um, and ensure that pharmacists are supported and continuing to support uh, the preventative care of Canadians through giving flu shots. We gave over 30% of flu shots across the country, 35% actually last year. And we anticipate that, you know, we'll be giving even more now. So making sure that, you know, we have the appropriate PPE um, and then just really kind of helping with the general awareness of how important it will be to get your flu shot is a big role, I think, that we'll play as pharmacists. And uh, finally, are you confident that we will have enough supply just of the regular flu shots? That's a really good question. And we are definitely worried about supply. We already know that there are some challenges. Again, in countries like Australia, we are having those conversations now with our public health counterparts nationally. And our pharmacy colleagues are doing the same provincially across all of the provinces. Uh, so we are, um, you know, putting the radar out certainly that we need to ensure that Canada has enough supply. Um, and that pharmacy as, as a, as an important, uh, you know, site of getting your flu shot, um, has early and access to that supply so that we can come right out of the gate when flu season starts. And, and roll up our sleeves and start getting all these folks immunized. Okay, we are almost out of time. What would you like to leave us with very quickly, please? Well, I just want to thank, um, you know, all the Canadians out there and all of the pharmacists for, for standing up and going to work every day and, you know, assuaging fears and, you know, you know, continuing to leave themselves vulnerable and their families vulnerable while they continue to provide care to patients and, and let everybody know that your pharmacist is there for you. So please don't hesitate in going to talk to them. Okay. Shalita Datani, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Libby. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, and before I go, reminder, Free For All Friday is coming up. A lot of calls that we couldn't get to. And I will also remind you of the Fight Back voicemail because that's another way to get your opinion on air. And that number is 416-367-9636. Again, 416-367-9636. Three six. That's the fight back voicemail, and that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.